welcome to the Lotus Lounge. This is Reverend JJ, and I just want to thank you for listening to what I'm spitting on here, and there'll be some other things, some truth that's going to come out, but I created this because I wanted people to know that they're not alone, and that there are other people out there that have suffered, and that they're are ways to be able to work through one's trauma to be able to come out blossomed like the lotus flower. So I wanted to preface that anybody is welcome to listen uh, and there's no judgment here whatsoever. And I'm hoping that no one is judging me in regards to some of the things I'm sharing and also carrying the title of reverend Uh, It was brought to my attention that some people may be somewhat turned off by that. And I wanted to clarify some. The title that I received uh, was primarily because of the state that I lived in. uh, Because it's required to place hands on another person uh, because of Reiki. And Reiki is the healing touch. So it was something that I needed to receive if I wanted to practice that treatment modality. But it is of a spiritual humanism. uh, And basically that means, you know, that you have your own relationship with God and I'm not here to judge and you have your own connection to spirit and everybody has the right to do that. Um, I just wanted to kind of clarify that a little bit and uh, I don't want anybody kind of passing judgment and I am very much aware that there is sexual abuse that happens in the churches Uh, and these are other things that I'm going to talk about and I will plan on sharing Uh, and I know this so this is you know per report from past clients Uh, And this is by my own research and understanding in regards to uh, religion, organized religion, um, and some of the things that are happening there. But I didn't want to get into that today. Uh, I really wanted to talk some more about some of my trauma background. And I wanted to share this story of uh, the sexual assault that had happened to me. So there's a trigger warning here, and I just want people to know um, there will be, you know, sexually explicit discussion, uh, and it might be uncomfortable, especially for those that may still be in the midst of their healing process. Uh, This can be triggering and cause uh, a flood of thoughts to kind of come up. So as a therapist, I want to just kind of make sure that you are safe Uh, that you're listening to this and that you're in a good space uh, or uh, even consider maybe having, you know, if you need to have your own counselor and somebody to talk to. Um, So I'm going to talk about the story of the two Jasons. And uh, this starts out uh, with the incident that I had already previously touched on when I was 12 years old. Uh, so I'm going to share this and I'm going to share this, some of the detail as to what I can even recall. Um, but this did happen, you know, close to 30 years ago. Uh, I have no emotional responses or reaction 
um, to this. And this is what I'm trying to help people see is there's a process that can happen. And if you have a right therapist, a really good therapist, um, you can work through the trauma so it doesn't continue to cause issues as an adult in your relationships later on in life. Um, I'm still learning that at 40 something. Uh, I'm single and I don't have, I'm not in a relationship. And uh, I believe that some of my trauma probably impacted some of the choices that I made later on in life in regards to relationships due to my own lack of self-love. And that's what this is about today is loving yourself and knowing your worth and knowing your value. So, you know, what happens to a young girl that grows up in a dysfunctional, chaotic home life? You know, a dad that's not really around, a mom that abused her pretty much from the beginning, uh, right from birth. Of course, there's going to be problems and there's going to be issues. So I remember that uh, my sister and I uh, had the apartment to ourselves. So we lived in an apartment um, and my dad worked the three to 11 shift for most of my upbringing. So he was pretty much not really home. Uh, so we would get home from school and we were, you know, what people would call now is the latchkey kids. Uh, so we got home and we pretty much had to fend for ourselves and do what we needed to do. So we snuck these boys in and, and I'm going to give you his name, um, of, of the, uh, guy that assaulted me. And and I'll share with you later the reason why I'm doing this. But uh, Jason Salvati. So I had a crush on him and my sister had a crush on uh, his friend. And they were skateboarders. And uh, so I was like 12 years old. And um, they both had come over. We, um, you know, had them stay over. And, And I don't even really, this is why it makes it so hard because a lot of my memory from my childhood... I really don't recall. Like, there's a lot of things I don't remember. And I think that's because of my brain trying to keep me safe. So going into, like, a coping mechanism to kind of, like, black out or block out um, some things that have happened. So it's kind of choppy. And I don't know if I am going to quite remember, like, every detail. Um, But so there was this attic that was upstairs and there was this really cool chair. Uh, I'll never forget the chair. It was like, it was a, um, what do they call that? Chase, like a chase lounge chairs, big bulky brown thing. So, uh, I remember I was laying on it. And so this kid like got on top of me and had his knees on my shoulders. So I was kind of pinned down. And he stuck his penis in my mouth and like, I didn't even know what was going on. And and that's what makes it kind of complicated for kids. And I, and I work with kids uh, that have been abused. So when it's happening, it's confusing, especially for those of us that have never had these types of experiences before. We don't know what exactly is going on. I was never exposed to anything like that. 
um, growing up and I may have kissed a couple of boys and I believe I kissed at that time by the time rolled around I had already kissed my ex-husband um, and I don't know maybe he felt me up or something but I never did anything like that and I didn't even know what was going on so he forced himself on me and uh, I have this you know, thing in my mouth and, you know, then it's over. And I was just kind of like, okay, I don't know what is going on and what just happened. And, um, I didn't even really think about it being like a sexual assault or a form of a rape or like anything like that. I, I didn't even think of that. So, uh, after this happened, and this is where I said, it's kind of choppy. I don't quite remember. Because I remember my dad working, um, but I guess he came home. Maybe he came home early that day, and he found the boys there. And so we got busted. My sister and I got caught sneaking these boys in while my dad wasn't home. Um, And that was a specific thing that we were told, you know, you're not allowed to have boys in the house when I'm not home. (laughs) So that was a rule of the house, and we broke the rule. So I remember they were running out of the back door and one of them like knocked the um screen door like down and it broke so of course the thing got broken um so uh, like all of this happened my dad came home they're running out of the house you know because we snuck them in um so they leave this thing just happened to me up in the attic and so what happened after that was I got the shit kicked out of me literally I remember being punched and kicked by my dad. I mean, full on man punches on a 12 year old. And the sexual assault was gone because the trauma of the abuse was was kind of like Trump that it, it that took over. And I never told anybody like I never told anybody. And so, I mean, 30 years ago. So, I mean, this is what, early 90s or whatever. I mean, it was a different time. We didn't have DCF like we have now. Like, these things didn't happen. Even when I was a kid and two years old, in the hospital with a subdural hematoma at two years old, nobody called DCF. Nobody held anybody accountable. And I didn't say anything to anybody about what happened. I guess I just suppressed it. And I I didn't even, I don't even remember thinking about it growing up in my like early years, early teen years. I really remember it coming out later on in my 20s. And and that's when I really started dealing with it in counseling. Um, I did EMDR. Uh, which is an excellent therapeutic modality. I strongly encourage anybody that has trauma that use it, that to use that treatment modality. Uh, get a really good therapist that um, has the training and certifications, EMDR, eye movement, something response, I don't remember. Um, not, not really anything that we need to get into right now anyway. Uh, we can get back into this later. But... Jason Slavati. So I never said anything. And you know when I actually started talking about him? Is when I found out he died. And that's why I shared his name on here. Because he's not even walking this planet anymore. Uh, His soul might still be. But he, in that body, that person isn't. 
and I imagine he did this to other girls too. So, um, that's really sad. And I never said anything. So I didn't have the strength then. I didn't have the power or the knowledge. I didn't say anything. I found out that, uh, I believe it was when he was 21 that he died in a car accident and ain't that some karma. People talk about karma as a bitch, man. Whew. I don't think he was a good person. Um, I, I, I mean, he wasn't good to me. Uh, nothing ever came out of that after either. Like him and I, like, I don't even ever remember hanging out with him much after that. Um, it's not like he was my boyfriend or anything. Um, but yeah, he was not, not a good person. And, uh, he was a rapist. And thankfully the universe took him out so he couldn't do any harm to anybody else. Um, I imagine he did cause some trauma and harm until he died. Curious to know if he has kids. Um, just kind of thought about that as I was speaking out loud. And it's kind of why I like this podcast uh, platform. Because when I say raw and uncut, this is raw and uncut. I mean, my last episode, it wasn't probably that spectacular. I didn't do very well with the editing. I'm not like a professional here. So I'm a professional mental health counselor and I'm a professional yoga teacher. I'm learning how to be a professional podcaster. So this is a process. So stick with me because they're probably going to get better as we move forward. Um, But I think I messed up the editing on my last episode and I didn't add any music to it or anything, but whatever. So my point is, is this is me. Like I'm just talking and and I wanted to get this out today because I had been thinking about my next episode and what I was going to share. And I really felt that people needed to hear that these things happen. And there's also an end to it. Like, you don't have to carry the trauma with you forever. You know, I think about, and I use these analogies in my therapy sessions, It's like you go to the airport and you have all this baggage that you're taking with you on the plane, but then you're only allowed so many baggages to take, right? You can't take your whole house with you on the plane. (laughs) So that's what I'm getting at is you've got to learn to start releasing. We have to release the trauma. And and that's what I'm here to do is, is I want to help you walk through that process of what this is, what this looks like, you know, healing is messy. It's not a straight shot arrow. That's just going to be like a clean shot. It's a mess. It's crying. It's hysterically upset. It's angry. It's just mood swings and sadness and irritability and frustration. And that's that dark night of the soul. And, you know, if anybody wants to learn more about that, do your research and check it out. Um, Because we all go through these, you know, and this is that what people call the shadow side, right? That dark side of yourself. And that's the side that we still have to love and accept. So we got to go through this. You can't stuff it down and suppress it and avoid it forever. Because when we do, it still manifests in other forms or fashions of our life. So, Jason Silvani. Whatever, dude. I don't even want to say rest in peace. Because he's probably stuck in limbo somewhere.
So, that's the first story of Jason. So, the other traumatic Jason. And, again, this story is going to kind of coincide with me being naive. and, And not really quite knowing. So... 18 years old. Uh, I just wanted to get out of my house with my dad. <laughs> I, you know, didn't I, whatever. A- every teenager wants to get out of their house with their parents, right? So um, I didn't really care, you know, to be there because of some of the other stuff that had happened in my world. But uh, <clears throat> didn't really get along very well with him. He wasn't a bad guy. He's just, he's just really um, into himself. So, and he'll probably say the same thing about me. So that's okay. Whatever. I don't even want to get into all that. We'll talk about that later too. But so I was 18, need, wanted to get out of the house. I had already graduated high school and I left. I moved in with my boyfriend. Uh, we started dating, uh, I think it was my junior year in high school. So right about when I was 17 and, um, he, uh, had already been out of high school. Um, so he was older than me. And, uh, we, we ended up getting an apartment together. It wasn't even like his apartment. We decided to do this together. So we got this apartment. Uh, it was actually a really cool apartment. Um, it was upstairs from like this flea market thing that was downstairs, like this antique flea market. Um, but it was, it's a really cool apartment building. Um, there were several other, apartments in it. Um, but the design of it was really cool. Um, so that was actually my first apartment. So kind of like saying these things out loud, I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. I had a really cool apartment. Um, I had a job. I was already working. Um, I had been working at that place. Uh, it's a pizza place in town. I had worked at since I was 16. Oh, let me, I want to back up before I keep moving forward with the Jason story. Um, because I wanted to, Uh, talk about what happened after this uh, sexual assault happened when I was 12. Um, I I had forgotten, so I kind of just want to back up. Um, I did start drinking uh, a lot. And uh, it it was almost like immediate. Uh, I remember being 12 years old and drinking Cisco. I don't know if anybody remembers Cisco. Um, But I had a couple of girlfriends uh, and her dad, one of the girls' dad, would work the overnight shift so he wasn't home at night. So we would stay there like Friday, Saturday nights. Um, and I was getting plastered, um, like totally wasted drunk, uh, at 12 years old, all the way up until later on in high school. And that's why I wanted to touch on that. Um, because there definitely was a drinking issue. Uh, and I strongly feel that it was precipitated from the sexual assault and me kind of stuffing it down and not really quite dealing with it. Um, so I just wanted to kind of touch on that because that, that was a problem. Uh, and that became my coping skill, my coping mechanism. And, and I don't think very many people knew that I was doing that either. Um, like she, my friend, she had a uncle and he would get the alcohol for us. Um, and we would spend like the whole weekend pretty much drunk the whole time, um, partying, listening to music, dancing, whatever. Um, I mean, we had fun, but obviously at that age, that's not really the best way to be able to, you know, I don't know, be making the most of your time. Um, ironically, it didn't really affect my grades. Um, I was always an AB honor roll student that was like never an issue. Uh, and, and there's like, I don't even really remember what I learned in school. Um, so, I mean, I performed and I did what I needed to do, but there isn't very much there that 
was completely retained and obviously I'm okay because I have a master's degree now so I guess I did all right um but so I wanted to kind of go back and bring that up because I thought that was really important um alcohol is definitely an issue Uh, I don't drink now um I I rarely drink now um I and and again that's a whole nother story that I want to I'll get into later but I wanted to kind of preface that because I was getting blackout drunk um, like a lot and and I remember even being in um, later on in high school and even in the beginnings uh, early years of college um, you know blackout throw up drunk like really bad um, so yeah uh, binge drinking is definitely an issue and uh, I have no control uh, over the amount of alcohol that goes into my body so I would pretty much constitute myself as being an alcoholic. Um, Yeah. So that happened. So the other Jason. uh, 18 years old. uh, First time I moved out of my dad's home. Uh, He was married to his third wife at the time. uh, And I believe they were probably divorcing. Uh, She divorced him uh, because of some issues, I think, that she was going on emotionally I really feel that he strongly loved her a lot, uh, in his way anyway. But, um, so I, I believe they were like separating and splitting up. And <clears throat> so I ended up moving out and I was in college. Uh, I went to a state school and, uh, I had a job and I was working and we were paying bills <clears throat> again. Sorry, little flummy. And, uh, uh, I just remember it being, you know, just, just, it was just not healthy. So, you know, there were incidents, um, where like, I didn't want to have sex and he would just like constantly ask me and want to coerce me and just like argue with me and, you know, just try to like break me down until I finally would give up. And then I would just be like, fine, whatever. So I, I'm saying this because I need people to know that that is also a form of rape. And I didn't even know that. Like at that time in my life, I didn't even know it. Like that, that's the naive, that naivety. Like I didn't know that. So yeah, I didn't want to have sex with him sometimes. And he would just like, like, like literally like beg. And it was sad and I felt bad. And then I would give in and then I wouldn't want to. And then I would end up upset with myself. So Um, he also was just like a lost soul, you know, and I don't think people know themselves at that time. And that's probably why we makes it hard to have relationships at that age, because people just really don't have the emotional maturity, uh, or the wherewithal as to what is a healthy relationship. So, you know, that happened a lot. Um, and I ended up cheating on him. Uh, I, I ended up like going and hanging out with some other guys and, um, and, and literally hooking up with other guys and he knew it. Uh, there was one time that I was going to hang out with one of the guys and he locked me in the bathroom. And I mean, this, this is no joke. And I don't even know. I was like in there for probably 45 minutes. I mean, he locked me in the bathroom. He wouldn't let me out of the bathroom. And I, and I was, I just remember crying and being upset and, you know, confused and couldn't understand what was going on and why I was being treated like this. And, you know, just, and then, and then again, you know, 18 and not really having the role models as to, you know, what's a relationship supposed to be like. And 
I mean, my dad wasn't healthy. Um, you know, he didn't choose healthy women. And, you know, I, I, I had no idea. And, and this too, even later on in life, like 10 years later, I finally figured out that what he did was a crime. I mean, that's, that's a form of kidnapping. It's holding somebody against their will. It's a kidnapping charge. I, I didn't know that. And so is what he was doing with the um, sexual stuff. That's a form of rape. I mean, I guess that's like a form of like a date rape, right? And, but I mean, but it was my partner, so he was my boyfriend, so not really dating or whatever, but it's still, it was confusing. So yeah, so that happened too with the um, bathroom. And, and I talk about these things now, like you don't hear me upset and I'm not crying. Um, I mean, I have, and I processed and I've healed. And again, you know, this is close to 30 years ago, so I've worked through most of this stuff. And that's what the trauma treatment is for, is you talk about it and you get it out. And it kind of like desensitizes you to the point that you're not having the emotional reactions that you were having before. You're, you get like, it's like almost getting used to it. I don't want to say it's like that, but it's just like, it doesn't bring about the emotion as intense. So, you know, this guy um, also... Uh, another thing that he did that would be considered a crime um, that I didn't know this until later on in life again. Uh, I remember driving with him and, and I don't even remember what we were arguing about. I have no idea. But he had um, just, you know, started yelling and screaming at me and we were parked somewhere in like this deserted area. And I remember him saying, um, I could kill you and leave you here in this field and nobody would ever know or find you. And I mean, I wanted to get out of the car and run, but I didn't. I froze. And these are trauma responses. Fight, flight, freeze to fawn. Fs. You're either going to run away from the threat. You're going to fight the threat. You're going to freeze like a deer in headlights and not know what to do or you're going to fawn to appease. You're going to appease the person. So I I have done all of these responses at times in my life. And um, the freeze response seems to be one of the most common responses for me. Uh, And that's the parasympathetic nervous system. Uh, The sympathetic nervous system is the fight or flight part. Uh, Parasympathetic nervous system uh, needs to be calmed. And so I'm kind of like, I'm planting seeds, like, you know, we're telling a story here, but then I'm also providing tools and different ways uh, for you to be able to kind of navigate out of your own darkness. So yeah, that relationship, that was my first real boyfriend. Um, I had the ex-husband. He was never really like, I guess he was my boyfriend in middle school. But do boyfriends in middle school really count? I don't really think so. Um, It's, you know, it's just an immature childlike love. Um, You know, puppy love, right? But, um, and I won't even really say that I truly love this Jason either. I mean, I did at first. um, But then things just got crazy. And um, so... I got threatened, you know, threatened with my life, 
you know, locked in a closet, um, coerced and aggravated into having sex on a regular basis. Um, and we were drinking. We, I, we, there was a party. Oh my Lord. I am kind of like not a really good person either myself, but, uh, this just popped into my head. So I might as well share it because this is connected to him. But I remember having a party and going off with this guy that I had a crush on for the longest time, like forever. It was going back into probably elementary school. I had a crush on this guy. And I remember going and leaving with him from the party that that I lived at the apartment. It was my party at my house, my apartment. Uh, And we left the party and went and had sex in the woods. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm probably not like the greatest person either. And I'm far from perfect as you're, as you're hearing, but there's really no excuse. So it just happened. Um, these things happened because of other things that had happened, other experiences. So I didn't love myself. I was abused. I was berated. I was demeaned. Uh, I was treated like crap, and I didn't love myself. And I, I didn't even know at that time what that meant. So I don't have any conversations or communications with this kid, um, with, with that person. Um, ironically, I found out later that he is actually a cousin to my ex-husband, so I had no idea they were related to each other at the time when I was dating him, but I ended up finding out later. So a really messed up story, too, of what had happened was um, I had talked earlier about my ex-husband coming up and um, getting me and getting my stuff so that way I would, you know, move with him after I graduated uh, from college And I remember that there was an interaction with Jason, too, at the time. And I think he wanted to get back with me. Uh, Or I might be messing up the story. Um, I'd have to go back and really think about this one. But all I remember is that Eric and I, my ex-husband and I, um, left him. Like, we left Jason. We left him. Like, literally. Like, left him I think, I think what had happened was somehow Jason was with us or something. We must have traveled together. Um, So I I don't really quite remember all this part, but I believe he traveled with us or something and um, he wanted to get back with me. And then, you know, I wasn't even whatever the ex-husband at the time, not even my boyfriend then, but we were like, I guess, you know, rekindling and getting back together he pretty much said, you know, you, you need to make a choice. So is it him or me? And, and I chose him. And by choosing him, that abandoned, we, we literally abandoned him. Um, yeah, some bad karma. You know, I've done some bad things. Uh, I, I'm not perfect. And, and I don't want to pretend like I am. But yeah, I really made some bad choices uh, early on in life. But I strongly feel that a lot of it, you know, was uh, contrib- contributions from what had happened, um, you know, throughout my life and, and already struggling and having other issues. So it's really important to learn, you know, how to love yourself. But again, it's self, 
Nobody can do it for you. I can't make you love yourself. Nobody could make me love myself. I had to do it. I had to unconditionally learn how to love myself. Nobody taught me. And that's what your parents are supposed to do. They should be teaching you how to unconditionally love yourself. Um, And your parents, you know, ideally have unconditional love for you. Uh, I didn't have that um, because I was abandoned. So I had stuff. So I ended up moving out. And I, I, I had an argument with Jason and he slapped me across the face. And that was my last straw. I called my dad and he had no idea about what was going on, but I humbled myself and I knew that I was, I was scared and it wasn't a good space and I knew I didn't need to be there. So at least I knew enough to get out. So I called my dad and I ended up moving back in with him. You know, that's obviously not what I wanted to do, but um, I called him and I was, I remember crying and kind of telling him that he was being abusive and that it wasn't good. And he said it was okay for me to come home. And I was really glad uh, that he, that he allowed that. I don't really know what else would have happened if I hadn't. So that's the story of the two Jasons. have issues and it caused me to have issues but now I'm good I'm in a good space and uh, my next segment uh, I'm going to touch on some other sexual assaults that had happened uh, there, there's more sadly um, but I hope that uh, you are able to kind of take all of this in and, and really hear it <clears throat> and know I've been through it too, but I came out. You can also. So thank you for listening. This is Reverend JJ. Uh, Please check me out on my website, jjlotustherapy.com. You can book sessions on there for yoga if you'd like, uh, guided meditations for the full moon, Uh, I do have the ADHD kids six-week program. Um, I I think I'm going to also be um, creating some videos and some other content that will be more relative to um, healing modalities, you know, different things, um, different techniques, yoga techniques, and I mentioned the breath techniques, um, some different meditations. Uh, So I have some things in the works. Uh, I think I'm going to do a YouTube channel. Um, and I have some um, promising things that I have hopefully coming down the pike, but I want to be here to help, and I want to just kind of tell you my story and help you see that your trauma doesn't have to overcome you. It doesn't have to take over and continue to wreak havoc in your life. And, and I get the flashbacks and the intrusive nightmares or the intrusive memories and the avoidance because there's a lot of avoidance when it comes to trauma. We're avoiding the feelings. We're avoiding the places. We're avoiding reminders. Um, but we got to tap back into the body. Uh, and, and I want to keep providing these different techniques 
uh, and different interventions and different ways of thinking and perceptions. Uh, and I really just want to keep being here uh, so that way you can know that we're you're not alone and that you have the power and the strength to have the life that you so choose and that you deserve. But we've got to take back our power, our own personal power, and we have to be able to learn to know our worth, our value, and love ourselves unconditionally. So thanks again for listening. I am making my attempts to do these podcasts almost daily. I hope you enjoyed listening to today, uh, today, whatever. Uh, I, I imagine it might have been somewhat difficult for some people to hear. Um, but I hope that this helped. Uh, I hope it helps you see that we all have trauma. We all have a story. And everybody's story is worth telling.